Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What an honor it is to be at the Pentecostals of Phoenix today. Amen. I love this church. I have, I have loved uh, your pastor, his wife and family for many years. And now I, uh, uh, I know why this church is so great, because you have great leadership. Amen. Amen. The Bible declares this. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. There's no vision, the people perish. If that is true, then the exact opposite must also be true. That where there is a vision, the people prosper. And you ought to thank God every day that you're in a house that has vision. Because your family will be blessed because of that vision. Your relationships will be blessed because of that vision. Your success will be blessed because you're attached to a vision. I'm just thankful to be in this house and I give honor to your pastor, his family. Give honor to my beautiful, lovely wife, Amanda. And um, I asked her if she wanted to preach today and testify. And I didn't even ask her that because I knew the answer. She just, she's, she is my support system. She's my biggest fan and I love her so much. And I, I bring you, um, I bring you salutations from my, my kids, Courtney, Sydney, and Isaac. Hopefully next year we can get them out here with us. They would love it out here. And, um, and I bring you also salutations from Truth Chapel that had an amazing service today. I know they had a good time at Truth Chapel today. I miss them. I'm glad I'm here. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I miss my church. And, but you know what? If I'm here, might as well preach. Might as well. If you have your Bible today, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Thank you, music team, for being so awesome. Man, do y'all know how good you got it? Do you know? I mean, because I could, I could take you some places. You could, come, you could come travel with me for about six months. I could, I could take you to some places. Make you happy. Make you thankful for what you got. Man, this, this team is amazing. Wow. Not, not only anointed, but also gifted. And that's that's, that's kind of rare sometimes to find. Uh, you know, sometimes you find gifted people and they know they're gifted. They know all about it. Let me tell you how gifted I am. Let me count the ways. <clears throat> but it's, it's when you find talented people who are also anointed, submitted, and humble, you get something in the atmosphere that you just can't get anywhere else. And you want to be thankful today, and I'm thankful because they have set the tone for me to bring the word today. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, when you have it, just shout, I got it. I'm about, I'm about to read to you, I'm about to read to you the most discomforting scriptures in the Bible. I'm about to read to you uh, the most discomforting scriptures in the word of God. The Word of God is one of those books that you can read it and it'll bring you joy, happiness. And then you can also read it in, in the same chapter, in the same book. You can also read something that just checks your spirit, hits you right on the chin, and you go, hold up. That's not okay. Because the Word of God has always been countercultural. It doesn't fit into our human mind frame. Jesus is speaking. Listen to what he says in Matthew 
7 and 21. This is Jesus. This is not me. This is not my denomination. This is not my religion. This is not my doctrine, okay? I ain't say this. If it was up to me, I would have said something different. Straight up. But I didn't say this. Don't get mad at me. Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And that's not me. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Watch what he says. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. Mm. Who, whoever hears what I'm saying and will do what I'm saying, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. Remember that scripture. If you will allow me today, I want to preach to you on a, just a simple subject entitled, That Day. Many will say to me in that day, that day. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you so much. And we're so thankful to be in this house. The power and the glory that we feel in this room is tangible. It is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just scriptures in a book. But God, we feel the miraculous power of heaven in this room. So God, now we need help. Would you help us to not only be hearers of the word now, but that we would be doers of the word also. And God will be careful in this house to give you the praise and the glory for whatever happens next. I speak it now in the name of Jesus. Let it be so and let it be done. And would the church shout in Jesus' name? And the church said amen. amen. And you may be seated. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what will you do on that day? That day. What is the measure of a day? A day, 24 hours. I think it's like 1,440-something minutes. 86,400 seconds, something like that. What is the measure of a day? There are many measurements of a day that we can take and quantify to call it a good day or a bad day. Anybody ever had a good day? Anybody ever had a bad day? I always get more amens on the bad day. Bad days are way more memorable. Anybody ever had a good hair day? Anybody ever had a bad hair day? I'm having a bad hair life. It's just happening. It's like Moses went on top of my head. It was like, let my people go. They just started belling out on me. It's messed up. What is the measure of a day? There are days that will live in infamy. And there are days that we all wish we could forget. There are days like 9-11 where many of us in this room remember exactly where we were, exactly what we were wearing Exactly the things we had in our hand when we heard that the towers had been attacked in New York City and the Pentagon. That day, it, it changed our world. It changed how we drive. It changed how we look at people. It changed how we fly. It changed how we travel. That day, one day, a 24-hour period changed the landscape of this country forever changed politics it changed power structure it changed everything it changed how the how wall street works one day 
change everything. Those days that will live in infamy. And there's days that we all wish we could forget. And then there's days like our birthday. Anybody having a birthday today? My little man right here, how old are you? Seven? Seven? Seven eleven. Yeah, Slurpees, baby. Seven eleven. Eleven years old. That's awesome. Happy birthday, bro. When you're 11 years old, you're like, birthday, birthday, it's my birthday. And then when you're 40, you're like, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. (laughs) I don't even want to know. Don't throw me no party. I don't want no cake. I just want to sit here at the house, eat a bucket of ice cream, and just be sad. It's amazing how that day changes for you throughout your life. That the measure of a day and there's days like the 4th of July, and man, we all get together, and we eat hamburgers and hot dogs and steaks, and then we blow something up because that's what the founding fathers would have wanted us to do. We got to set something on fire. Merca. Merca. Independence Day. That was the day. You know, it was just a day, and something changed on that day. There's days like Thanksgiving Day, where we celebrate how the white man took my people's land. Oh, y'all thought I was Spanish. <laughs> oh, no entiendo un poquito español. No, 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 no. Not at all. Native American. Woo, woo, woo. Kill the white people. Yeah, yes. Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I was the kid watching the Cowboys and the Indians movies, pulling for the Indians. Let's go. Get these Cowboys. Let's get the John Wayne who? Nah, bro. It was not my hero. Christopher Columbus is a joke. Not real. Never landed in this country. The Bahamas was as close as he ever got. Read it. It's history. Let's stop having a day for this man. I'm a little bit bitter. Just a little bit. No, I love it. Thank you for clothing and iPhones and my white wife. I appreciate all of that. (laughs) that's how we get them back bro that's how we get them back I'm just playing please erase all of this from the tape yes days like Christmas day we love Christmas how many love Christmas day we go crazy we buy stuff and we cut down trees outside put them inside take the lights from outside inside put them outside go crazy go in debt trying to buy everybody everything just because that's what seven pound, eight ounce baby Jesus would have wanted us to do all that. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, and it ain't even close. We don't even know. We just made a day. Days are so important in our society. Days, just days, days, just days. But the day that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, it ain't a holiday. It is on nobody's calendar, for the Bible says no man know the day or the hour it is it is the day that will end all days it is the last day it's called judgment day Jesus paints us a picture of this day and there's only two days that you really need to worry about only two days that is today and that day that's why you got to make sure that whatever you do today will carry you into that day 
the right way. Just today, you can't, you can't do nothing about yesterday. It's gone, baby. And you can't do nothing about tomorrow. It is No man has promised it. But today, right now, today, you can do something today that will change everything on that day. That very important day, Jesus paints us a picture of that day and he says many will say unto me in that day which is very powerful this is how we know that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh because he didn't say many will say to my father in that day he said many will say to me in that day you're going to be talking to me I'm not going to be sitting on the, on the junior throne but I'm going to be on the throne that white throne judgment and many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Man, we prophesied in your name. They're going to be there. Jesus paints us a picture of that day. They're going to be there with their suits and their ties and their credentials. Look what we did. Jesus makes a statement that is impossible for him to make. Jesus says, I will say unto them in that day, I never knew you hold up now I'm a student of the word of God I love the word of God I read it all the time I've read it several times through backwards and forwards how can a God that knows everything all knowing omniscient all powerful omnipotent omnipresent how can that God say he don't know something he said, I knew you in the womb. He said, before you were formed, I knew you. He said, I know the very numbers of hair on your head. He said, when a sparrow falls to the ground, I know about it. I know everything. But on that day, he looks at these people who are so confident, and he says, I don't know you. If that don't shake you, nothing in this word can shake you. If that can't sober you up, nothing in this word can sober you up. If that is the most discomforting scriptures that you've ever read, then you need to go back and read that Bible again because what it lets me know is on that day, the most important thing on that day will not be did you know God. Lord, we know you. We, we, we know your name. We did all this in your name. We, we cast out devils in your name. We, we sang in the campgrounds in your name. And we preached in your name. And, and we did all kind of wonderful works in your name. We know you. But Jesus says, you knew me, but I never knew you. And that day, that unbelievable, powerful day that will end all days, the only thing that will matter on that day is did God know you? See, we understand this concept because we know people that don't know us. Yeah. We know people. We know them. We know where they went to school. We know where their, their lifestyles. We know their backgrounds, especially in 2019 when we have social media and Google. We are, we are able to see into people's lives and we know them, but they don't know us. I know Donald Trump. He's my president. And if a president ever needed prayer, we need to pray for this dude. Right? You know him. I know him. I know his past. Know what? Know his business. I, I know a lot about him. I know stuff about him. I wish I didn't know about him, but I know. 
But if I rode up on Donald right now, like, what's up, Donald Trump? That's about as far as I get. <laughs> Tonight on Fox News, pastor shot dead, trying to slap Donald Trump high five. But I know this dude. That's my, that's my president. What's up, dude? <laughs> you get your collarbone cracked by a secret service agent, 66250. Pow. That's my friend, though. Yeah, you know him, but he don't know you. He's a leader in your life, but you don't know him. He don't know you. And there's a lot of churches right in this city right now. They're preaching about Jesus, talking about Jesus, sharing Jesus. And all it is is us, we want to know him, but God is looking down from heaven saying, no, I want to know you. Can I know you? These people, these people stand on judgment day and they say, Lord, we know you. We know what, how you've been. We know what you like. We know what you do. But Jesus says, I don't know you. You know me, but I never knew you. Yeah. It's a powerful concept. It, 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 it. At the age of 21, 22, coming back into the church and deciding for myself that I, I, I would not allow this to be my father's religion anymore. I would not allow this to be my grandfather's religion anymore, or my mother's religion, or my grandmother's religion, but making the decision that this would be my religion, and I'll read that Bible for myself, and I'm not going to take nobody's word for it. Let me just say this to some young people in this house. If this is still your mama's religion, you must be miserable today. If this is still your daddy's religion, you must be miserable today. But if you've made a decision, you know what? This ain't about my mama and this ain't about my daddy, but this is my Bible. This is my Jesus. This is my religion. Can't nobody take it out of you and can't nobody take me out of it. Because this ain't about family and it's not about friends. It's about me. I read it for myself. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. I can't taste him for you, baby. You got to taste him for yourself. I was at a crossroads in my life. I realized I need to know this for myself. So I began to study the word of God. God, why? Why does it say this? I read this. I remember calling my grandfather. He was still alive at the time. I called my grandfather. I said, grandfather, what? Matthew 7 is messing me up. How, how, how is it? It seems like these are Christians. And, and Jesus is, is not even letting them in. And this is what my grandfather told me. He said, he said, Cord, he said, keep reading the Bible. He said, because if the Bible raises a question, you know there's an answer in there. Yeah. If the Bible, you know, people say, well, there's no questions. Yes, there is. If you read the Bible long enough, you can be like, huh? Hold up. But, but here's what you need to know. You don't need to go get another book to answer a question in this book. This book answers, it own, it answers its own questions. Sometimes it's just, it, it's just another step. God's trying to pull you deeper into the word. Keep, on, keep studying. Keep learning because there's an answer in here. The Bible is not controversial. It's just controversial if you decide to stop reading it. Don't give me a crumb and tell me it's the loaf. No, you need to keep reading the Bible, baby. There's a, th this Bible is bigger than Acts 2.38. It's bigger than John 3.16. This, this Bible is bigger than Genesis 1 and 1. It's bigger than that. Somebody say yes. yes. 
That's why I always advise people, don't you ever be reading a religious book if you never read the Bible. Why would you read a book about a book you ain't never read? I don't care if T.D. Jakes wrote it. I don't care if your favorite preacher wrote it. I don't care who wrote the book. If you ain't read the Bible, why are you reading that book? Put that book down and study the word of God. That way you have a baseline. And when you read some garbage, you're like, nah, that ain't in the book. That sounds good, but it ain't in that book. Because I read the book and the book don't say that. Well, that's a misinterpretation of that scripture. That, that's the scripture, but man, you take it way out of context. Yeah, if you don't know the word, put all them books down. Yeah. If you don't know that one plus one always equals two, why are you doing trigonometry? Hello? Amen. So I did. I kept, I kept reading the Bible. I kept reading it. I said, Lord, I want to know. And here's the reason why. Because I don't want to be that man with all my good works in my hands. Saying, Lord, look what I did. Lord, look, I got, my, I, got my, I got my minister's card right here in my wallet. Hallelujah. I've been preaching, Lord. I've been doing your will. I've been doing great things. I don't want to be that guy with my suit and my tie and my credentials. And God look at me and go, who are you again? What a tragedy. That's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. I said, Lord, I don't want to be that man. Show me in your word. How? How? I begin to read. I begin to read. And if you really want to know the story, I was sitting in a grocery store parking lot waiting for a meeting to begin. I was about 22 years old. I was sitting in a, in a, church, in a grocery store parking lot waiting for a meeting to begin. I reached in my back seat, grabbed my Bible, had some time on my hands, had about 30, 45 minutes. I said, I'm going to read the Bible. I got some free time. I'm going to read the Bible. Just reading the Bible. I was in Galatians, reading Galatians. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me there right now. The book of Galatians chapter 4. I'm just reading Galatians, you know. Just reading it, and as long as, as long as the the heir is is immature, he is under he is under uh, governors and, and leaders and teachers that that, that 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 do not lead him, and and, and he, he's unaware that he is the ruler of all, he is the, the the heir of all. And then Galatians four and four says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. Made under the law. Wow. It, this ought to amaze you because God himself could not enter the world unless he entered it in a legal way. He had to come in made of a woman made under the law. And the reason that we know this because if you read Deuteronomy and you read Numbers, the Bible says that everything that entereth through the matrix is legal. And the matrix ain't a movie. The matrix is the womb of a woman. If you don't read the Bible, you don't know that. You think Keanu Reeves made it up, but listen. The matrix is the womb of a woman, twice in Numbers, twice in Deuteronomy, where the, God says, if it entereth through the matrix, it is mine. And so when God came down to be made of a woman, he had to be made under the law. Why was he made under the law? He had to be born like me and you were born. Watch this. The, the next verse tells us he came, he was born of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. If he's not under the law, he can't redeem those that are under the law. God can't break his own rules. He could have he come down and said, let them go. But even God can't break his own rules. 
He was born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Watch. That we might receive the adoption of sons. This is a good word. Leave it right there. Listen. Redemption is not about you. It's about God. Watch this. He came to redeem them that we might. Redemption is not a might. Adoption is a might. You cannot choose Calvary. Calvary already chose you. I don't care if you are a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Jehovah's Witness. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color your skin is, what your background is. The Bible says that he died for the sins of the world. Everybody. We all covered people you don't like, people you don't listen to. He died for your, your, your crazy neighbor. He died for your mother-in-law. He died for everybody on this planet. Jesus died for them. We don't get to go to the cross and say, I choose the cross. No, baby. Before you was ever born, Jesus chose you on the cross. You can't just choose Jesus. No. When he hung his head and he died, he redeemed the world to himself. And we don't choose that. It chose us. Woo. The cross is ready and willing and there. But he came to redeem them that we might. Redemption versus adoption. He came to redeem us so that he might adopt us. <laughs> he came to redeem us because he wanted us to be sons and he wanted us to be daughters. Oh, hallelujah. Can I preach here for a little while? He came to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Watch verse 6. And because ye are sons, God have sent forth the spirit of his son. Anybody know what the spirit of the son is? The Holy Ghost. Ding, ding, ding. What do we got for him, Johnny? The Holy Ghost. God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Interpreted, it simply means daddy. That when the spirit of the son comes into your life, you can call him father. Say, so wait a minute. He's my father because I love him. I'm his child because I love him. Well, that, that feels good, and, and, and you're right, but there is no legally binding paperwork that says you are either son or daughter. Watch. Has anybody in this room ever adopted a child? Can you raise, have you ever adopted a child? Raise your hand. There we go. You can be my amen corner. You can be my amen corner right here. When you adopt a child, you don't go to the orphanage and pick out the cute kid, put him in the back of your car, and drive home with him. That's not called adoption. That's called kidnapping. It's also called a felony. Class one. Going to be in your record for the rest of your life. Don't do it. Amber alert. They're going to be looking for you. The only way you can adopt a child, if you've adopted a child, you know it's a lot of paperwork. Now watch. I know a lot of people that have lived with the child before they adopted them. They loved the child. The only way you, love, the only way you adopt a child is if you love that child. You love that child, and that child loves you. And that child can call you daddy. That child can call you mother. But until there is paperwork, 
until there's a signed name on the paperwork, legally, there is no adoption. Hallelujah. <laughs> until there is a signature or a stamp by the government that says this child legally belongs to this family, all the love you want is great. All the affection that you have is real. Nobody's taking that away from you. But have you legally been adopted? Where is the name on your life? When the spirit of the son comes in, now you can open your mouth and call him father. And not only is there redemption, but now there is adoption. That's why adoption is a might. You don't choose Calvary. You choose Pentecost. And when the spirit comes in like a flood, it gives you the legal right to say, he is my father and I am his son. He is my father and I am his daughter. I am legally bound. In Matthew 7, he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He didn't say, depart from me, ye that work sin. If you look that word iniquity up, it simply means an act of illegality. He said, depart from me, you that are calling me father, but you don't have no legal right to call me Lord, Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you. <laughs> But I love you. I love you too. But, we, but, but I'm not your father. Let me show you. Let me show you in the scripture. He said in verse 7 of Galatians 4. He said, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That's good news. Because I'm no more a servant. But when I received the spirit of the son, I became a son. Hallelujah. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit of the son is the same spirit that's going to raise me up out of here one day as well. When I received the spirit of the son, I dropped my slave clothes, I dropped my servant clothes, and I took on airship. And now I'm a son of God, and I'm going to live like a son. I'm going to act like a son. And the last time I heard, he owned the cattle on a thousand hills, and the silver was his, and the gold was his and the carbuncle was his and the oil in the ground was his and the earth is his and the fullness thereof and if I'm an heir I have access to all of that We got too many Holy Ghost filled people still living like servants baby if you got the Holy Ghost you're not a servant if you got the Holy Ghost you're a son You may say now wait a minute Pastor Chavis you preached on, on Friday night about being a servant now come on now don't, don't be coming up here confusing me. Oh, yeah. See, but a servant does what a servant has to do to survive. A servant punches the clock, checks in and checks out because I'm just a servant. But a son comes early and stays late. When you're a servant, you keep saying stuff like, well, you know, this is Brother Bibb's church. But when you're a son, you say stuff like, you know, this is my church. 
When you're a servant, you say stuff like, there's no room for me there. I don't really fit in. But when you're a son, you're like, baby, you're going to make room for me. This is my place. This is my house. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to leave late because I'm invested in what's happening here. I'm no more a servant. I'm a son. And a son sticks around. A son stays in the father's house. A son says, hey, I'll do whatever it takes because I know that in the end, it's all mine. Yeah, he said, how be it then, verse 8, how be it then when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. How was it then when you didn't know God, you lived so hard for the enemy? How be it then when you didn't know God, you was out there shaking what your mama gave you? How be it then when you didn't know God? You spend $75 a week on, 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 on Marlboros and 150 a week on Budweiser. Can't even pay your tithe now. How be it then when you didn't know God? You go to the football game and lose your mind if your, if your team was winning. But now you know God. You come to church, somebody, we don't need all, we do need all this. How be it then when you didn't know God? He did service unto them, which by nature aren't even God's. Those things couldn't save you. That cigarette couldn't save you. That alcohol couldn't save you. That football game couldn't save you. That club couldn't save you. But now that I'm a son, I'm attached to something that can save me. Hey, I'm not going to give the football game more than I give my master. I'm not going to give the world more than I give him. He is my father. He is my father and I'm his son. So don't you look at me when I run around the church losing my mind because I'm living like a son. I'm living in the light now. Yeah. I'm not here to check off a box to say that I went to church today. If you came, if you came here to, for church, you came to the wrong place. We're not interested in church. I'm interested in experience, demonstration. I want to see something. If you keep going to church and nothing's happening, leave. But if you go and you see people getting touched by the Holy Ghost, people getting healed, marriages getting put back together, drug addicts coming out of the world, coming off drugs, coming out of bondage, maybe this is the right place to be. This is the right place to be. I just don't want to go to church and sit down, but I want to go somewhere where the Holy Ghost is moving and changing life. Yeah. Because I'm a son. I'm not a servant. Watch verse 9. Can you put verse 9 up on the screen? And, and I'm almost done because this, is, this scripture is where I had a Holy Ghost hold down in the grocery store parking lot. <laughs> Hashtag true story. I'm telling you, I lost my mind in that little Toyota Corolla I had. No, I think it was a Honda Accord then. I lost my mind, my little Honda Accord, because I saw something that I needed to see for myself. He says, but now. But now, after that ye have known God, but now, after you know God, he says, or rather, are known of God. Do you see what I see? He said, but now, now that you've received the spirit of the son, now that you're no longer a servant but a son, now that you have known him, 
or rather now that God knows you. And the most important thing on that day was did God know them? So how do I make sure that God knows me? Not that I'm just coming to a religious event and knowing him. But how do I know that God knows me? I know that he knows me when I receive the spirit of the son. And I receive, Paul said it like this. For you have given us the spirit of adoption. You know what happens when you come down to an altar and you repent of your sins and God fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost? It's more than just an event. It's more than just a moment. But it is the adoption papers being signed. What happened? Don't you let nobody lie to you and tell you the Holy Ghost is not necessary for salvation. Brothers and sisters, it is necessary because on that day, he's going to say, did I know you? Are you my son or are you a servant? I came to preach to somebody in this house right now. You need the Holy Ghost. Your mama needs the Holy Ghost. Your daddy needs the Holy Ghost. Your children need the Holy Ghost. Your wife needs the Holy Ghost. Your husband needs the Holy Ghost. The city of Phoenix needs the Holy Ghost. It's more than just in a moment. It is what connects you to the Father. Have you ever received the Spirit of the Son into your hearts crying? Father, 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 Father. When Elder Urshan, one of the founders of this movement, when Elder Urshan, when he immigrated here to America, he went to a Pentecostal service. He writes this in his book. He only spoke Aramaic. He didn't speak English. Very broken English. He went to an English-speaking, quote-unquote, Pentecostal church. He writes in his book that in the middle of the service, two or three men jump up and start jibber-jabbing, quote-unquote, speaking in tongues. What those men didn't know is they were speaking in perfect Aramaic, and they were saying, you are my father, you are my father, you are my father in Aramaic language. And Brother Urshan was converted on that moment, and many of us, we don't even know it, but we're sitting in this room today because of Brother Urshan. Because he was one of the founding fathers of this movement. And he preached the gospel all over this world. But it's only after he heard men speaking in his own language. Just like in the book of Acts chapter 2. When they said how be it that these Galileans are speaking in all of our language. They must be drunk. And Peter said no, no, no. They're not drunk as ye suppose. Seeing it but the third hour of the day. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And brothers and sisters, this is still that. He's still pouring out that spirit right now. He'll never stop pouring it out because he came to redeem them that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need to have the paperwork signed. And you can't, he can't sign it, Father. And he can't sign his son. 
and he can't sign the Holy Ghost because his name is Jesus. And so when you go down, you go down in the only name that saves. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so well, Brother Chavis, the Bible says that tongues will cease. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. The Bible says that tongues will cease. That's a misinterpretation of the scripture. It's not Bible. You know where people get that from? They get that from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and don't have love, I'm but a sounding brass and tickling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and I have all faith, but I don't love my brother. I'm nothing. And, and you know what? I could bestow all my goods to feed the poor. I could do all manner of works for God. But if I don't do it with love in my heart, it, it doesn't mean a thing. And he says, but love rejoiceth not in iniquity. It, it does it, it, but it rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Love never fails. Where there is prophecies, they shall cease. I mean, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. He didn't say that tongues would cease. He's saying that opposed to love, prophecy can only go so far. Knowledge can only go so far. Tongues can only go so far. Love is what carries on. He's not saying that tongues is over. And I know that because if you go to the next scripture, he said, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that all would speak in tongues. Now if tongues cease in 1 Corinthians 13, why is he saying that all men should speak in tongues in 14? Tongues did not cease. I know. Because I spoke in tongues today. Tongues did not cease. And I know. Because somebody in this room that's never spoken in tongues, you're going to speak in tongues today. If you believe it, you shall receive it. For the gift is unto you. And it's unto your children. And it's those that, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And those that are far off. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is the spirit of the Son coming into your life, crying, Father. He comes in speaking for himself. Now, I'm closed. Music can come. I want to show you something in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, the Bible says that Jesus comes to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Turns to the disciples, he says, who do, you, who, do, who do men think that I am? What are they saying about me? He said, oh man, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a liar, some say, you, some say you're the John the Baptist. One of the prophets, 
He said, okay. He said, who do you think I am? Do you know me yet? Have I been with you so long you don't know me yet? Who do you think I am? Peter raises his hand in the back of the classroom. Yes, Peter. He said, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I know you. <laughs> I got you figured out, Jesus. I know you. Watch what Jesus says. Simon Barjona, which is a surname. It's not his name. It's his title. It's a title, not his name. He said, Simon Barjona, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Watch the next verse. He said, but now I say that you are Peter. Did you catch it? You know me. I know you. You know who I am. And I know who you are. <laughs> you know where I stand. And I know where you stand. He said, but I say you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon the fact that you know me and I know you, I'm going to build my church on that rock. That's why in Matthew chapter 7, he said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock. I don't want to just know the Lord, but I want to make sure the Lord knows me. I don't want to just be a Christian, but I want to make sure the Spirit of Christ is living in my soul. I don't want to just come to church and check off a box and say, I went to church today, but I want to know that the Spirit of the living God is living on the inside of me. Stand to your feet all over this room. Stand to your feet all over this room. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room. I feel it. Somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost today. <laughs> Anybody believe that with me right now? Anybody believe it with me right now? <laughs> Anybody in the room thankful that you got the Holy Ghost already? That when you got the Holy Ghost, it came in speaking for himself. Anybody thankful? I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible said. I got it. Yes, I got it. I got it. Yes, I got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. of us that have it we're not even using it like we need to use it because Romans 8 told us that that spirit that we received when we don't know what to pray we can just pray in that spirit and the spirit will make intercession for us the Holy Ghost wasn't just so you can get it on a Sunday morning but the Holy Ghost was for a Tuesday night when your family walked out on you and you don't have an answer you can get on your knees and you can pray in the spirit and the Holy Ghost will talk to God for you 
it's not just about checking off a box of salvation no 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 when i got the spirit now i have an advocate with the father and the spirit will speak for me and when i'm lost and the doctor said there's no way out and when the baker say there's no money i can get on my knees and i can pray in the spirit and god will open doors that i cannot open with my understanding You ought to be thankful today that you got the Holy Ghost. And you ought to be hungry today to say, God, I want it. And I'm not leaving here without it. Listen. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost today and you're in this place, today is your day. Now is your time. This word was for you today. Let me just say this to you. I want you to listen very carefully. If you have ever accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and recited a prayer, let me be the first person to congratulate you and tell you that that is so awesome that you took that first step because that was a prayer of repentance. And when you prayed it, you meant it. It wasn't fake. It, 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 you didn't just make it up. But, but you had a good heart when that happened. You had a clear conscience when you did that. And you said, Lord, I, I believe that you died for my sins. And I receive you into my life. That was amazing. It was phenomenal. And I am so grateful that you did that. But as a man of God and as a student of the word of God, I would not be the man of God that God has called me to be if I wasn't bold enough to tell you that you are not wrong, but you are incomplete. Yeah, you're not wrong. No, 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 you're not wrong. Nothing wrong with that. When, when, when Paul found those guys in Acts 19 and he said, how was you baptized? He said, we were baptized into John's baptism. It was repentance. We were sorry for our sins and we were baptized. And he said, well, look, let's re-baptize you now in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he did, he laid hands on them and they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He did not tell them that they were wrong. He just said, hey, there's another way. There's a better way now. Here's a, here's a more complete synopsis of how to be saved. I'm not telling you you're wrong today, but I'm telling you that, that you are incomplete. You need to repent of your sins. Like, I know you've already done, but you need to do it again. And you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in Acts 2.38, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so today, we're going to do it like they did it. We're not going to add one thing to it. And we're not going to take one thing away from it. Today, we're going to repent from the front to the back. We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask some questions, and then we're going to move. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this house today, and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you would like to, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand today and say, yes, I want the Holy Ghost today. Look at the hands going up. All the ministers, just ministers, I want you to see those hands. That is honesty. Would you put your hands down now? Thank you so much for being honest. Thank you so much for having that, that passion. Lord, I want that Holy Ghost. Because today, through your faith, you're going to receive it today. Through your faith. Now, if you're in this house and you have the Holy Ghost, but it's been a long time since you got that fresh touch from the Lord that you know you need, would you raise your hands? Say, yeah, that's me. Look, look at the hands right now. All the ministers, I need you paying attention. These people are going to get a fresh touch today. A fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, put your hands down. If you're in this house today and you, you need a miracle in your body because God did not just come to save your soul, but he come to make you whole as well. You, you have a disease, pain, sickness. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I need, I need a touch from the Lord today. Yes, thank you. Ministers, pay attention. There's some of these hands. Some of these hands are going up twice because God's about to do something amazing in this house. God's going to do something powerful in this room right now. Put those hands down. Now, I'm about to make an altar call. Let me tell you why we make an altar call. Because the Bible says if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And you, when you come to the altar, you make a physical commitment to move towards God. And when you make a physical commitment, God makes a spiritual commitment. And it may take you 5 or 10 or 20 steps to get down here today, but I promise you God will go further than you go. He'll step over doubt, fear, sin, shame, guilt. He'll step over mistakes and disappointments, and he'll get right to where you are. And he's going to do something in your life today. If you raise your hand today, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need a fresh touch, if you need a miracle, if you raise your hand today, I'm going to ask you to come down to this altar right now. Come down. Come, come as close as you can. Ministers, I need you to get ready. Come as close as you can. And just remain standing if you would. Just remain standing. That's good right there. That's good right there. Come on. If you need the Holy Ghost, come on. If you need a fresh touch, come on. Now, you need a miracle, come on down. Here's what we're going to do. Look, look at him coming. Look, God. God is so good. God is so good. God is so powerful. Ministers, I need you to get it ready because we're going to lay hands on just a minute. Just a minute, not now. But just a minute, we're going to lay hands. And when we lay hands on you, it's going to be just like the Bible said. You're going to receive that gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going to get that fresh touch. And you're going to be healed in your body. Just like in the Word. We're not, we're not adding away. This is not cultural, but this is biblical right now. So right now, as we're in the altar, I want you to bow your head one more time. And we're going to repent. From the front to the back, from the greatest to the least, we're going to repent. Would you just open your mouth right now begin to ask God to forgive you of your sins? If you've never repented before, that's fine. You can repeat after me or you can say kind of what I'm saying. Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, I am sorry for my trespass against you. I don't even know how I sinned. I don't even know when I sinned or even why. But God, I am sorry and I need you today. Come on, that's it. Talk to the Lord. Tell him. God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need to be filled. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here so strong right now. Come on, that's it. Repent. Come on, take your time. Talk to God. I can't talk to him for you. You have to talk to him for yourself. Repent right now. God, I'm sorry. I need you in my life. I am a sinner. And I am undone. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on. Today is going to change everything about that day. Today is going to change everything about that day. Come on, that's it. Continue to repent. Continue to repent. That's it. That's it. Just a few more moments and we're going to move forward. Just a few more moments. Come on, let it come out of your heart. Be sincere about it. This is not a joke. This is not a game. But be sincere in this moment. God, I need you. I cannot make it without you. I've tried it on my own, and it was a failure. But God, I need you in my life. I need you in my family. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my relationships. I need you on my job. God, I need you. I need you to bring me out and bring me in. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. Now. Now. If you need the Holy Ghost and you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to lift both your hands to heaven. If you need the Holy Ghost and if you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to lift both your hands to heaven. And I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Tell him. Say, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. Tell him. I need it. I need it in my life. I need your spirit all over my life, God. And I need your spirit all in my life. Tell him, I need the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. And when I say in Jesus' name, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to receive that Holy Ghost. I want you to begin to praise him for the Holy Ghost and you're going to receive it. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray with faith right now. I pray that your word would be demonstrated. I pray right now by the power of your name, by the power of your blood, and by the power of the empty tomb, and by the power of your resurrection, by the power of your word, I speak faith in this room right now. And I pray that the Holy Ghost would fall in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, they're coming right now. They're going to lay hands on you. Receive you the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive it, receive it, receive it. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it feels like. Open your mouth and speak it now with authority and power. He said in his word, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, the spirit of adoption is in this room right now. You are no longer a servant, but ye are a son. And if a son, and if a daughter, then an heir. Come on, ministers, lay hands on their head right now. Lay hands on their head and pray fervently. Pray with boldness. Lay hands on their head and say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. to somebody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, I want you to lay hands on them right now. If a minister can't get to them, that's fine. You lay hands on them. Because the Bible said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. You, if you believe and you got the Holy Ghost, I want you to lay hands on somebody right now and pray that they will receive it in Jesus' name. It's flowing, yes, it's flowing. Come on, do you feel it? Do you feel it? It's flowing. From the front to the back, it's flowing. It's flowing. I see right here, Holy Ghost. I see it right over here, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, by the authority of the Word of God, receive ye the Holy Ghost. If you need a healing in your body, lift your hands. If you need a healing in your body, lift your hands. By the power of the authority of the word of God. He said in his word, by his stripes, ye are healed. He said in his word, he is the God that healeth us and taketh away our infirmity. And if you need a healing right now, I speak it over you in the name of Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb, be healed now in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost. Come on, the Holy Ghost is being poured out right over here. 
flow out of you. Let it flow out. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. For the Lord has extended to us the spirit of adoption. I'm no longer, I'm no longer a son, but I'm a servant. I'm a servant son. I serve the master because I'm his heir. I am his heir. I serve the master because I'm a son and everything he has for me is mine. Receive the Holy Ghost. Open your mouth, receive it. Receive your healing. Receiving the Holy Ghost. Speaking in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the word of God, receive it. Yes. Yes, speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Come on, I don't care what it sounds like. Speak it. Let it go. Let it go. Let God take control now. Let God take control. Let God take control. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. Let it go some more. Let God take complete control. I don't care what it sounds like. Let it go again. Let it go some more. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the Holy Ghost. Let God speak through you now. Let the Spirit speak for you. Call me a citizen of heaven When I was brought 